This is Master Torgo of The Ugly Couch Show. Before we begin this episode, I just want to put a thank you out to Anthony for your generous donation and to Dave Rader for your continued support of the show. Thank you, guys. We really can't do this without you. She's a small wonder, lovely and bright and soft What a creature is man. He is a monkey. <laughs> Without a tail. And I will not hesitate to throw my shit at you, Q. You sound like Cisco with a British accent yeah, right doing, now. <laughs> I'm doing my Cisco there. Welcome, folks. It's Couchcast number 51. I am Master Torgo. The famous Paul. 80s Jeff. And, uh, wow, there's one voice missing. Barry on his wiener tour of England. Dr. Vlarg is on a plane. Dun, 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 he might still be on a plane by the time we get this posted. <laughs> That's a long flight. That's very true. I mean, Torgo, you did that flight. It what, is an ungodly flight. How many hours is it? 14? Uh, not that bad. That's about a... An, I think fourteen is the Australian Singapore, flight. Singapore, yeah, you know, but uh, but yeah, I think it's like a nine. That's you get. That's close. You get like two movies down, and you still have four hours to go. So it's yeah, Ooh. it's rough flight. So best you go of luck. Go to bed. That's what you do. Th- this flight is just going to end with Barry and Deb picking at each other and getting on each other's nerves. Yep, because they have nothing better to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I do want to put apology out there, folks. Uh, last last week's couch cast got et got eaten up. But not entirely. We were able to uh, rescue at least the last part of it. And since Barry is involved in the last part, we, uh, we're going to save it to the end of this one. So uh, the end of the big list. And uh, Mumra, well, you're going to have some Barry action in that one because everybody likes Barry action. Due to circumstances beyond our control. <laughs> so well, sorry about the lack of Weekend Geek last week, folks. But, uh, but darn it, we're going to rectify it this week. I saw my, one of my other favorite podcasts had a uh, missing episode last week as well. Oh, there, did were they? A few, there were a few last week yeah, I was noticing online. Some kind of, some kind of uh, <laughs> podcast virus. Yeah, seriously, there's some kind of hiccup. I actually caught um, Dayton Ward, who's an author, wrote a bunch of Star Trek books. I uh, saw his post on on Facebook, uh, like the one time a week I, I log into that thing and uh, said, he's like, I don't know what to do with my no, myself. Uh, no something podcast and no new Trekcast this week. He's like, like, I have nothing to listen to on my trip. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There was, uh, yeah, Player One podcast, they had a lost episode, so yeah. It's so going around. And uh, speaking of lost, there will be absolutely no loss during this podcast because, God damn it, everyone else is talking about it, so we're not. Oh, I'm desperate to see it, though. You mean the fact that tonight and then next week is it? It's yeah. not even next week. It's Sunday. Yeah. Well, that's right. It's on a special night and time. A special night and time. In fact, later on, if you guys want to do this whole lost thing, I'll just exit the room and you guys can just go at it. Can we talk about how 24 ends next Monday? Uh, really? You want to talk about that? I can tell you it's how 24 ends. How's it, how does it end? He ends up on an island. Oh, shit. <laughs> Crashes his plane. The only thing that I saw was that uh, uh, one of the producers, whose name escapes me right now. The per- slick, slick Pants Larry. <laughs> Brian, uh, I want to, Brian Grazer, thank you. Slick Pants Larry. Brian yeah, Grazer say, says, uh, alias. says that uh, you know Jack's not going to get a happy ending, they said. That's, that's the only thing they told us. I said, I said really? I said, well, I mean, it, it, it fits with the theme of the show. He's like, not okay. going to the Asian massage parlor? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> that's, that's what I had in mind for him from the beginning. I was like, when, when the show started, I was like, this man's going to end it in an Asian massage parlor. Dude, what's with your shirt? With all the funky colors changing on it? 
as a nice visual for the audience. Yes, my my my. Well, I'm just sitting here. I just like having to shirt. look over it. The, well, the, like, like part of your shirt is well, changing color. Yeah, you attach a battery to it, and then it kind of just slowly adjusts in picture, and then yeah, so it's kind of like this whole crawling through the various colors. Not like of the life. Think Geek ones that. Uh, no, those are no. The, this is this is a this is a thirty thousand dollars shirt. <laughs> This one is... Uh, I think you could achieve that same effect with bleach. In fact, if you turn it on really high, it's, uh, you become like the Predator. And you just kind of like sleep oh, through no. it. Yeah, 30000 That's how much that shit costs. Fucking now. Predator. All that money trying to make stealth technology, and you've, you've, you figured it out for your T-shirt. I what don't, the hell are you? <laughs> I found this at some thrift store. What I don't know. What the hell are you? Go Buffalo Exchange. <laughs> what the hell are you shirting? <laughs> What is your shirt? You're one ugly motherfucker. <laughs> you did that pretty well. Oh, you have no idea, dude. You've never heard me do voices. I used to do voices in film school for like dubbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because they, most of the time, it's just because I was there. But, you know. <laughs> so you did, so to amuse yourself, you did voices? It was all. Uh, I'm like the Lorenzo music or um, uh, what's his name? <laughs> More like the Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> No, that was not the voices for like two questions. Bungie. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God, Bungie. 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 Remember Bungie? Bungie. Oh, I remember Bungie. Yeah. Jesus. No, thank you. Okay, so that's just going to segue right nicely into news you don't give a shit about. I give a shit about Bungie. What? No, I don't. No one did. What was that, ABC After Saturday special? Yeah, he used to always get in trouble. Damn that Bungie. Yep. Everybody hated him. Mm, I hated him especially. <laughs> the family hated him. News you don't give a shit. shit it starts already. Shit news you don't give a news about. That's it, right there. <laughs> clip, clip, take two. Games such as Railroad Tycoon, Transport Tycoon, and Roller Coaster Tycoon were like SimCity on a smaller level, allowing you to manage one company or compete for world domination in this business. The Roller Coaster Tycoon series was particularly popular. Span two sequels. Several expansion packs, board game, book series. Now, aspiring roller coaster creators can look forward to one more spinoff. Sony Pictures Animation has picked up the rights for a yep. film adaptation of Roller Coaster Tycoon. I thought this was maybe where you were going with this. Well, I didn't realize it was going to be animated. That's good. Yeah, the, the, I thought the, it was going to be live action. <laughs> Are they going to set it back in the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, where, you know... With the the oil barons and the the roller co- uh, the roller coaster the railroad barons that are like ah oh, my railroad is gonna be take over the country and the and well it's only the roller the, coaster uh, monopolies tycoon. it's only roller coaster tycoon there will roller be coaster? there will be blood tycoon <laughs> it's only roller coaster yeah it's tycoon. only roller coaster tycoon that's it I thought it was railroad tycoon no. that was getting the movie no no it's not that's just a long line of tycoon movies but no it's roller coaster that gets it that's the money wow. maker. Mm-hmm. It's directed by the guy that's uh, directing the upcoming Karate Kid and written by the guy who recently worked on the Smurfs. So, yeah. Uh, whatever. More power to him. Yep. All I can say is, mm-hmm. that Karate Kid... I'm... Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah? Did you see it? Did you I see saw the, preview? the preview? yeah. Did you see what he says? No, I didn't hear what he say. You remember in the first one, it's wax on, wax off, right? Yeah, yeah. He's showing him a move, a defense move. Okay. By having him take his coat on and off. And he says... Jacket on, jacket off. <laughs> he do- it's, he says, Paul was like, I'm one step ahead of you. No, it's just ridiculous. I'm like, what? Who are they fooling? Are they doing it because wax on, wax off was, was just, the, just the same kind of thing? And then you know, it's like an inside joke to the hey, old Daniel, one. Yeah. Wax off. 
Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Like, off, yeah. yeah. So, wow. Jacket on, jacket off. For a minute, I thought you were doing one of your jokes, but you're being serious. As a heart attack. <laughs> I saw it today, and I was like, fired. This movie's fired from my brain. Wow. I'm not going to spend any more time on that bullshit. Oh, I probably will. It's Jackie just Chan and his terrible accent. Poor guy. <laughs> jacket on, jacket off. Come on. Do it faster. Somehow I missed do that more. In the preview. Uh, I do more. a different preview. Did you ever hear, did you ever hear Todd Agnello do his Jackie Chan? No. Mm-mm. He does a killer Jackie Chan. Does he? Yes. Very good. I'll have to call him up and say, hey, uh, Paul says you're supposed to do your Jackie Chan for me. Hey, Todd, send me a Jackie Chan, would you? <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Foresight Unlimited has announced that Universal Soldier 4 yep. will go into production this fall with stars Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren, who co-starred the last installment. And uh, it's going to also be in 3D. So yeah, That part I hadn't heard. I heard <laughs> so, they were going to do a fourth one. Yeah, 3D. That 3D shit is going to burn out fast and hard. Yeah. It's Especially stupid. if they keep doing it as spectacle. I mean, if well, they do it like Avatar did it, where it's just, you know, it's very subtle and you just, you feel like you're looking out on a window. I agree. I agree. that There, there is a big difference between that and Clash of the Titans. But that's Cameron's proprietary <laughs> technology, Yeah, exactly. Too, you know? It's a guy that's built for that. Mm-hmm. Now these well, are like, him and, let's him just make it 3D. Company. We can charge also ran hoo-ha. $4 yeah. more per ticket. That's all it is. Bloom, it's like, how do we charge bloom. four more dollars? Well, and, and, and yeah, it is. The studios and watch are, me not go to the movies. The studios are seeing dollar signs because they're saying, oh, people can go do this. It doesn't cost us that much more to do it in 3D. And, oh, we can charge 4 to $5 more per ticket. Ugh, not getting my money. In fact, I was just at the, uh, um, Todd and I were at the theater seeing Nightmare on Elm Street a couple weeks ago, and I remember looking up and seeing there's a 3D surcharge now for oh, yeah. 3D movies, and Arf. it said like four bucks. Without a doubt. Step it up 3D. The next, Elm, the next Elm Street, if they do indeed make one, will be in 3D. Well, the Toei, T-O-E-I, is that how you pronounce that? Uh, t- I, th- I always, Toei, Toei? 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 Well, they're preparing a post-converted theatrical reissue of Battle Royale for release in late November this year. Not a remake, not a new version or a sequel, but a 3D conversion of the existing film, which uh, at the time was a monster hit in Japan. If you haven't seen Battle Royale, it's a great film, but do you see this as a a 3D... (laughs) Piece of work. Well, I'll tell you, it never got a proper theatrical release in the States. Yeah, it's true. And I just watched it again a couple months ago, and it still holds up pretty well. It's still pretty emotionally jarring. It's not as emotionally jarring as it was eight years ago when I right. first saw it, which is interesting. But maybe that's because I've I've since read the manga, which is more... This is the most emotionally draining thing I've ever <laughs> done in my life. Or maybe um, it's you're desensitized from I all those just violent video games. Ball. I guess. Did, didn't you and I see that at Todd Agnello's house like eight years ago? Maybe. I'm pretty sure that's where I, I might saw have it seen the, it. I know I saw it for the first time at his house. And yeah. I'm pretty sure you were there. This yeah. is like Nello Cat. Yeah, right yeah I might have been, it might have been. I, uh, it's very possible. I think we did watch you, it there. I, I think you might have brought it. That's that's possible because I know I had the thing and I'd already seen it, so maybe. But yeah, I can see him doing it in 3D. It would be it'd be it'd be good in 3D. I just I don't know, it, man. After seeing Clash of the Titans, adding 3D to something. Oh, and it's not ready for it, and it's not made for it. Yeah. Well, it just uh, makes me nervous. If it gets if it gets Battle Royale in front of more people, I'm all for it. 
It's a good film. I can I can see that aspect of it. Yes, but I'm young just... Gogo Yubari in there. <laughs> Gogo is the shit. Uh huh. All right, hold on What's to your hats, name? gentlemen. News you don't give a shit about. A Toronto woman whose husband left her after discovering that she had been having an affair is putting the blame squarely where it belongs, with her cell phone service provider. Oh, geez. Rogers Wireless. Uh, Rogers Wireless sent one global invoice to the home she shared with her husband in which he discovered she had been making hours-long calls from to one number. And from there, he called the number, spoke to the third party with whom she'd had been having an affair, and he walked out. I lost everything, she says. I want others to know what a big corporation has done. I trusted Rogers with my personal information. We had a contract and an agreement that put my life right in their hands. Yeah. So how much of the evil corporation, whose fault this is, cough up? $600,000. Why? According to the woman behind the suit. The uh, Toronto Star reports... Wait, they paid it? No, 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 not yet. Still, it's what she's asking for. Yes, what she asked for. The Toronto Star reports, after her husband left her and their two children, ages six and seven, she was so distraught, her work performance suffered, and she lost her job as an apartment rental agent that had paid her almost (laughs) $100,000 until she was let go October 10th, 2007. The plaintiff wept uncontrollably at her workplace and became incapable of performing employment duties, which is a statement of claim. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You're fired from life. Please. You're fired from fucking life. I can't wait to see the judge just go, really? Case dismissed. Man. I hope. I, I would really like to see a a punishment for shitty lawsuits like this. <sighs> there should not, not only is this thrown out, but you get fined. So there is, so, yeah, so there so. is, there is uh, something in the works to try and make that happen. So that these kind of things, there needs to be some kind of like lower level appellate thing where like you can go with the lawyers and a couple of judges, whatever, like, and they just all day just filter through this garbage stuff and go, that's a garbage claim. Well, I mean, can't this, make it. it's not like this is anything that's never happened before. I've I've had friends that, you know, found out that their, you know, significant other was cheating on them by looking at the cell phone bill. There's like, they, they each have the same plan, you know, so, and they're, they're like looking at the bill and they're like, wait a minute, whose number is this that's been called 200 times? <gasps> 1-800-BALLS? What? Wait a minute. She calls me up and she's like, he's calling the I'm like, well... Call him out on it. Find out what it is. <laughs> it's my 1-800-BALLS. And, you know, end of the story, he was cheating on her. She left him, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it's it happens all the time. If you've got a shared plan or you're at least sharing the bill, it's not proprietary information. It's it's information that you guys have both signed a contract for. So. Yeah. That's probably how they'll end up getting it thrown out. Not you it'll, know, it'll go out. If you hadn't cheated on him, he there wouldn't is, have left you. There is no privacy anymore. And I mean, I'm no. sorry. If you want privacy, you jump off the grid. You go live in a cave. Have fun mm. with that. <laughs> Get used to being exposed at every turn. See yeah. what I'm saying? You might like, as well that's, start that's walking around naked. That's not a privacy naked. thing. That's that's the next level. Want, shall we walk around? So we can start walking around naked. Let's do it. Well, Let's I mean, start tonight. Eventually, that'll be uh, we'll be able to do it. It is a nice night for it. It is. It's very just, <laughs> mm-hmm. very mildly warm. Beautiful 80 degrees out there right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have the wind whipping at my tip. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the weekend gig. Let's go to the stuff that actually means something. Yes. All right. Yes. 
In reaction to the noted conservative bias of the Texas Board of Curriculum, State Senator Leland Yee of California has introduced a bill that will require the California Board of Education to pay special attention during its textbook reviews for any of the changes approved by the Texas Board and then report those findings to the State Secretary of Education and the State Legislature, presumably so those textbooks can be altered or rejected. Much has been said about how, as the second largest purchaser of textbooks in the country, the Texas School Board has the ability to dictate the contents of America's school books. Well, changes, changes, California is the largest purchaser of textbooks in the country. Yee's bill says that Texas' proposed changes are a sharp departure from widely accepted historical teachings yes. and a threat to apolitical nature of public school governance and academic content standards in California. Bad. Quoting Yee, while some Texas politicians may want to set their educational standards back 50 years, California should not be subject to their backward curriculum changes. The alterations and fallacies made by these extremist conservatives are offensive to our communities and inaccurate of our nation's diverse history. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. As I recall, aren't a lot of publishers based in Texas, yes. too? So, yeah, that's another reason because, you know, a lot of states buy their books from, you know, a certain curriculum publisher. And I, as I recall, many of them are located in Texas, not all of them. So, well, if you would just read your history, you would know that Washington crossed the Delaware because he was holding hands with Jesus, who let him walk <laughs> upon the waves. And not, on, not only that, but only a few hundred years ago, Washington's ancestors was was not even not not even alive. In fact, he spontaneously generated them. <laughs> oh, not revisionist monkeys. history. Oh, 2010 curriculum. Ugh, we're living revisionist history right now, <laughs> aren't we? Though, yeah, it's funny, it's funny how how history gets changed with even without having discovered an, an actual time machine yet. I see this this <laughs> stuff on the news on on the websites like. Bush's legacy maybe not maybe improving like what <laughs> I know it we're so quick to forget it blows my mind it hasn't even been two years yet Ugh. well several Swedish online retailers such as Webhallen and Gudenklaffel yes and Game.se are <laughs> listing Project Natal controllers at a price of 1499 SEK which converts to a cost of $197 now, games are generally more expensive in Sweden by about a third, and Kotaku says it could be just a placeholder price, although it's odd that every retailer has converged upon the same placeholder. At that, much uh, much as the PS3 was hobbled in this generation's console wars, what was perceived to be too steep of a starting price tag, it could spell trouble for Natal if this ballpark is accurate. I think that ballpark might include a 360. This uh, $200 includes a full 360 and the Natal? Yep. That would be a hell of a price. Yeah, because it's only low. 300 now for the Elite. They might be doing it. They yes. might be doing it. They might have a redesign that's saving them enough money to do it. Yeah, perhaps. That's, that's out there in the rumors. I don't that know. would be nice. I don't know. I, I, I doubt it, but I'm not buying the Natal for $200. Thanks, suck it. Thanks, suck an egg. <laughs> I'm not moving around. Give me my damn controller. This is the guy that absolutely loves the Nintendo Wii. I, I love aspects of it. I don't love the motion control. I love some of the games on it. There's a few things that it works now nicely as a pointer. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind having a pointer. It's basically a mouse interface. 
that's fine. But when you tell me to wiggle it, waggle it, and shake it, and jiggle it, F wiggle you Wiggle it just a little bit. Thanks. Thanks for that. Wow. Blast from the past. Speaking of blasts from the past, Ronnie James Dio. Oh. Yes. Wildly talented, creative pioneer of heavy metal, died of stomach cancer on May 16th at age 67. He has soared on the wings of a demon. Bowyer Maloiks in Ephesus. Dio's musical legacy is far-reaching one. Dio is best known for his iconic wailing with Black Sabbath before that rainbow, but also did some great stuff on his own, particularly Holy Diver, personal favorite Mm -hmm. of mine. So, uh, yeah. That sword. Uh, We lose our Dio. uh, But we will always have the uh, parrot that's tied down to the... Yeah. The perch in the videos. That's that's always a funny <laughs> thing. The perch. <laughs> Get it in the private It doesn't move at all. <laughs> no. It's like a raven or something. It's yeah. tied to a perch and they shake the perch and he's all wah. You can see someone shaking it. Yeah. That's terrible. He's dead. <laughs> Her name a is Dio. Yep. Rock in peace, Ronnie James. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Andrew Oliver co-founder of Blitz Game Studios, told Develop Online that piracy is not the biggest revenue loss facing the games industry today. What, pray tell, might it be? Quote, the biggest problem on consoles now is the trading in games. I understand why players do this. Games are expensive, and after a few weeks of playing, you've either beaten it or got bored, so trading it back in helps to pay for the next. Seems sensible when people are short of cash. Oliver said that the average used game is traded up to four times, which quarters the amount of profit going to the developer. Of course, some game makers are already responding to this industry trend. EA, for example, is now including a key with all their online sports games. Uh, yearly releases don't have that much replayability, i.e. they're ripe for reselling. Players must input the key to gain access to online play, and after that, the key is useless. Players buying the game pre-owned can still pay online, but they'll have to buy their access key for $10. If used game sales are really worse than piracy, you'd think the game industry wouldn't be inconveniencing its honest players with its anti-piracy measures so often. Yeah, that uh, really caught me with EA. Uh, they're building their the rest of their game model on this. Yep. I don't like it. All sports games, if you're uh, renting it, you get seven days for free. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, in order to play the game online, which is the lifeblood of the sports game, mm-hmm. uh, you have to pay a $10 fee for the key to be able to play it online for the rest of your ownership. Yeah, it's getting weird. It's getting weird because are we renting these things or are we owning them? Well, according to them, they are just providing a service. Yeah. Yeah, so that's their interpretation of it. That's the weird thing about it. I understand uh, that aspect of the loss in the used game market. The sports games have this part of it, then they have all their other games that include DLC, Yeah, basically. But a lot of these cases are DLC that's already on the game, just unlocking things that are already there. Yeah, it's weird. I.e. the uh, Assassin's Creed did that when they released their DLC, but that was not included. All the stuff on Resident Evil 5. Yeah. So... And I've downloaded some of that stuff. It's basically just opening a pack. Right. And they also claim that the $10 is also for their servers. Maintaining serv- the servers, yeah. Right. But, again, that's something that is their own choice to do. Because Absolutely. Because they could use Microsoft. And it'd be so much better if they did. Yes. Because those EA things, that burnout stuff, garbage. Yeah. Ugh. Blech. So Because that yeah. was the whole reason Xbox Live did it the way they did it. They're like, okay, we're going to maintain everything. 
That way everything's stable and always working. And EA just absolutely refused to do it. And they finally came up with that 11th hour deal. What was it, about six years ago? No, oh, I don't know. To, uh, yeah, so that they could get the EA sports games on the 360. And, you know, after they signed that deal, EA's like, okay, well, we're going to use Xbox Live, but we're still going to host everything on our EA servers. And basically a new game at, uh, well, a new used game at uh, GameStop saves you about five bucks. Right uh, now, $60 yeah. game, mm-hmm. you're going to get it for fifty four ninety nine at your basic GameStop. But if you have to pay another $10 on top of it, I can see what Go you can see what they're new. trying to do. Sure, it's obvious what they're doing. Sure, and that's that's cool. And GameStop's already on it. They're selling ten dollar uh, cards right next to used games. Why spend fifty uh, sixty five dollars on a well new, the first used couple game. of weeks? The first couple of weeks, yes, it's not a viable option. But a month down, a month after release, that's true. You're they take it down to that that price. Or I guess GameStop. I mean, GameStop's going to lose a little bit of money on this, but not not much more than five bucks. No, no I don't no. think GameStop's going to lose any money. No, they're they not really losing shit. They, <laughs> they, they pay like stuff. they pay you maybe fifteen bucks for a used yep. game, and they're they, then they turn around and charge fifty five for it. Yep. I hate. I, I'm going to tell you this right now, folks. I hate buying used games from GameStop because if it's a month after the release, if it's two months after the release, three months after the release, it's still maybe $10 cheaper than it is to buy the brand new one, which is sitting right next to it. And you know, you know, they paid maybe $15, $17 to the person for that in-store credit that they have to use at GameStop. Of course. GameStop the, doesn't lose any money no, on they this. Don't. And, and you know what? When it comes down to it, neither is EA. Because what do they care if you, well, I'm not going to buy that used game. You know, they were going to make any money from that anyway. Yeah. No, I see no reason to buy a used game unless it's like a couple years old, or at least a year old, when it's down in like the $17 mark. That's when I start to get the itchy trigger Well, yeah, finger. if it's like a year old and it's been sitting there, I can... I can. It's like the last used game I got was Mad World okay. for 12 bucks. You know, and that's something I wanted to play and experience yeah. on, the, on the Wii. It's an adult title. It's a rarity on the Wii. And so, and it's, it's got a very strong artistic right. bent to it. So it's something that I'm cool to own. For twelve bucks, sure. Well, that's you a know, drop. Love it or hate it, I'm gonna have something in my collection. But I'm a collector too. That's so true too. Yeah. I will say this though: I do like how GameFly does their used games frequently. Well, what's what's? I mean, you've bought a lot of used games. Well, I mean, they're mm-hmm. technically not really used no, per they're, se. They're, right. There may be a couple of times. Well, the best part about and I'm not wanting to into a commercial for GameFly, but. Uh, what is nice is when I bought the Saboteur, mm-hmm. when I was like, this is a great game, we just go ahead and buy it, they they essentially give you the new package. So all the codes, yep. you, you get it as if you bought it new. I bought some stuff off Gamefly not even being a member of Gamefly. I've bought some stuff from there. Really? Like back in the day, yeah, it's good. So you get that fresh package. Yeah, I like them. And a good discount, a solid discount. It's usually at least 20 bucks less than you'd normally pay. I don't know how it is with new releases that you've just rented. Yeah. The, is it right about 20 bucks less? Right about, uh, I think about 43 for like like so there week you go. new. So, yep. mm-hmm. so that's that's great. And you get uh, discounts if you've been there for a, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, coupons, they give you coupons so, and stuff, Yeah, too. so yeah. they're always not When I get money, money again, off. I'm going to do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> From The Hollywood Reporter, Charlie Kaufman, the Oscar-winning writer behind Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in mm-hmm. films such as Adaptation, Being John Malkovich, Great stuff. has headed off into an unexpected direction, animation. 
The scribe is coming off less than two weeks' worth of work on DreamWorks Animation's Kung Fu Panda, The Kaboom of Doom, the sequel to the fun 2008 movie that had the voice talent of Jack Black, Angelina Jolie, and Dustin Hoffman. So yeah, the sequel of uh, Kung Fu Panda, script doctored by Charlie Kopp. Great. I'm uh, actually excited by that idea. The first one is not bad. No, it's not. It's not bad at all. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's got some good stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, especially if you remember that it's it's a kids movie. It's really can, targeted at yeah, kids. So, they can I tweak mean, it out for this next one. That'll be really good. Yeah. Good. Hooray. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, had, I had fun I with it. I thought that was really neat. That, that guy always just impresses the hell yeah, out of Yeah, Kaufman's <laughs> always got crazy fucking ideas. Abu Dhabi's Emirates Palace Hotel has refined luxury by releasing an ATM that turns cash into gold. I heard about this. What? However, Alchemy, this is not this machine. Gold to go updates according to international gold prices every 10 minutes, making transfers as accurate as possible. The gold coins and bars it dispenses even have customized designs for you collectors out there. The exterior of the machine is coated in a thin layer of gold and offers customers 320 (laughs) items to choose from, ranging from gold bars that can weigh up to 10 grams to customized gold coins. Gold rates are constantly updated inside the machine in the hotel's lobby, courtesy of a building computer connected to a dealer which sells gold online. Yeah. Funny. (laughs) I love an automated gold teller machine. They are shitting gold in that state. (laughs) They are shitting gold in Abu Dhabi. That's crazy. Yeah. Those guys, but I mean, but they are, they're they're just, they're sitting on, you know, every every other person's sitting on a a well. Yeah. You know, so it's just like... (laughs) So this this is their version of the magic card. It's a, here we go. Look what I've got. It's a gold bar with my face on it. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Japanese painted wang. I you you probably could get that if you wanted probably. to mm-hmm. have it etched right on the top. Your, your buy, buy your girlfriend gold. buy your girlfriend a gold plated dildo. <laughs> Insert. Yeah, honey, look what I got for you. <laughs> Insert into the mold machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from yep. there. It's just a, just a matter of uh, gold insertion. Oof. <laughs> Japanese theme park Fuji Q Highland has uh, announced that it will be adding a new section to its park, Evangelion World. Yes, I heard this. I saw this. Life size. They started it already. Yeah, EVA 01 construction project. And what will certainly become a centerpiece of the place, they're going to build a life-size replica of EVA Unit 01. That sound was Paul uh, having a nerdgasm because it's they're building so, EVA Park. I, you guys know how crazy I am for Evangelion. Oh, yeah. I'm no! crazy for what? Evangelion. Because it's brilliant, and everyone <laughs> in Japan knows it because they built a giant Ava 1 head. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, chest up, full size. Yep, it's already up and going. It's amazing. And Pavilion will also have a life-size cockpit of an Evangelion unit. Yep, you're going to be able to get into a plug suit and get your picture taken. Yeah, life-size figure of the character uh, Naru Nagasi. How do you pronounce that? You know this. Nawaru Karu. Karu Nagisa. Karu. Karu Nagisa. All right, a video corner, a museum. Nagisa, Karu, Nagisa, Karu, Nagisa. A studio gallery for taking photographs and a shop. Yeah, a shop. Did we talk about on here a couple weeks ago where they, they did a whole, um, or did I tell you? They, the restaurant with the cookies? The, not the restaurant. There was a, a, a whole convenience store converted to all You, you did stuff. mention that on the show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're still crazy for Evangelion over there, man. 
and it's happening left and right all of a sudden. People well, are... they're in the middle of the rebirth. They're in the, the middle of the redoing it. They're, they're, they're just released a second of four movies. So. Celebration, kind of like when we get into the Star Wars thing. But no one builds a, a full-size, you know. Well, we had Quickie Marts turn into, you know, we had... 7-Elevens turned into Quickie Marts momentarily, so that was that's close to what we yes, did. Yes, and you could it's get a squishy. Closer. Yeah, let's yeah, get closer. Stuff. It's, it's there. It's close. All I'm saying, I'm not seeing ad walking around. Not yet. <laughs> well, last week during uh, Lost Live, the final celebration, ABC Network executive Barry Jossen read a letter George Lucas wrote to the Lost executive producers Damon Lindoff and Carlton Cuse. I heard about that. In the letter, Lucas uh, finally admitted the obvious. Here is text of the letter. Congratulations on pulling off an amazing show. Don't tell anyone, but when Star Wars first came out, I didn't know where it was going either. The trick is to pretend you've planned the whole thing out in advance. Throw in some father issues and references to other stories, let's call them homages, and you've got a series. Yeah, there you go. Hi. Well, they, they borrow yeah. heavily from Star Wars, so... Right. Well, but I mean, it, it, yeah, Star from, Wars borrows heavily from other things agreed. too. I mean, it's well, it's, yeah. it's but, at its core a messiah story anyway. So but you had Hurley trying to write Empire, which was fucking amazing. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> Spo- Never mind. It was great. Bill Gaines, one of my heroes, is one of the most important figures in comic book history. Also, the creator of Gaines Burgers. <laughs> no, I, if you only, didn't know that. What? Huh? You're not being no. serious. No. Maybe. Maybe he's a dog lover. He's a dog lover, but he ain't, he ain't, oh. he ain't a dog food maker. <laughs> In the 50s, he was the man behind EC Comics, with the titles such as Tales from the Crypt and Weird Science. Became a scapegoat for juvenile delinquency. Mm-hmm. Senate subcommittee investigation into the effects of horror comics Joke. led to a skewed public perception of Gaines that nearly put EC out of business. Joke. Gaines kept one title, which he developed over many years, Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. Now John Landis, a director with quite a pulp instinct of his own, may finally have the money together to make a film about Gaines. Nice. Deadline says that Landis is in uh, cans lining up the financing for Ghoulishly Yours, William N. Gaines, based on a script by Joel Eisenberg. Nice. I'm very happy about this. Yep. Yeah. If, if you want to learn more about it, read Tencent Plague. It's a great book. Tencent book. Plague. And what was that other one? That we, what was the guy who came to the, com- the comic book festival here a couple years ago, like two years ago, and he, he read from his... It wasn't Tencent Plague, but it was one like that. You remember oh, uh... Yes. Uh, two years God, ago. It's about the it? comics code and everything. Hmm. Crap. It's, we reviewed know. it. We talked about it on the show. Uh, although I know Evanier was here not that long ago, and he kind of goes into a lot of that. He does a mm-hmm. lot of uh, opinion journalism and, hist- and comic book history. So It's terrible. I'm not remembering his name. Yeah, it was just a, it was at the library. Yeah, um, it was at the library con. Oh, I, went and saw the, I went and saw the thing. It was really good. Well, moving on, a few months ago, U.S. copyright group tried to sue over 20,000 people for downloading indie films such as Uwe Boll's Far Cry. First of all, that's your... Can you believe... Yeah. That's your own punishment, really. Yeah, you deserve that. You brought that on yourself. Really. Well, seeing some modest, modest success with that plan, they arranged to follow it up with a new lawsuit targeting people who had downloaded The Hurt Locker. The original idea was to use software to track down the IP addresses of people who downloaded these films over BitTorrent Networks. The group would provide the IP address to Internet service providers, i.e. Comcast, Time Warner Cable, etc., and the subpoena, in turn, would they, they would turn over the downloaders' real names and addresses. These people would then be offered the opportunity to settle for a modest sum of money. Refusal would result in a lawsuit. 
Well, it's a classic uh, time-honored way of ruthlessly extracting money from people that want your product used by the RIAA back in his golden years. But it turns out Time Warner Cable isn't too happy with the plan. According to the court, Time Warner Cable has better things to do with their time than match names with IP addresses. <laughs> See, it's not that TWC believes that the lawsuits are a grave breach of privacy. It's not that they're... A, but it's more that it's a huge pain in the ass, which TWC can't afford right now. The company typically receives 567 IP lookup requests per month, mostly from law enforcement reasons. Each IP lookup costs the company about $45, and it has only four full-time staff devoted to taking care of these duties. <laughs> so, yeah. In other words... Welcome to the world of automation, Pirate folks. away, everybody. <laughs> pirate away. No one's a-watching. Well, this was also very amusing. I'm sure you guys have heard this by now. It's been about every blog I could find. While at the Cannes Film Festival promoting Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, Shia LaBeouf let loose about his thoughts on Indiana Jones. I didn't realize he did it at Cannes. That's great. Yeah, and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Guess yeah. what? He hates them. Yeah, he wasn't a huge fan of the movie either. Huge. Mm-hmm. LaBeouf met a group of reporters at Hotel du Cap, and the LA Times has the quotes. Speaking about taking on two films with beloved legacies, Indiana Jones and Wall Street, LaBeouf said, I feel like I dropped the ball on the legacy that people loved and cherished. If I was going to do it twice, my career was over, so this was fight or flight for me. LaBeouf also acknowledged that most of the people who contributed to the film's $780 million worldwide gross probably knew what they were getting. I think the audience is pretty intelligent. I think they know when you've made a slop. And I think uh, if you don't acknowledge it, then why do they trust you the next time when you're promoting a movie? We, Harrison Ford and LaBeouf, have made her discussions. He wasn't happy with it either. Look, the movie could have been updated. There was a reason it wasn't universally accepted. We need to be able to satiate the appetite. I think we just misinterpreted what we were trying to satiate. As for how Spielberg might respond to his remarks, LaBeouf was relatively fearless. I'll probably get a call. But he needs to hear this. I love him. I love Steven. I have a relationship with Steven that supersedes our business work. And believe me, I talk to him enough to know that I'm not out of line. And I would never disrespect the man. I think he's a genius, and he's given me my whole life. He's done so much great work that there's no need for him to feel vulnerable about one film. But when you drop the ball, you drop the ball. Yay. Yeah? From within. Good for him. But... Yeah, I wrote a little thing on reading that. I was like, well, you need to... That's that's great. But now you need to... Fix it? Feel it. <laughs> no, feel it Feel it in the moment. And get out or, you know... Right. Scream it, fire it, in that crowded theater if yeah, shit's happening. Say like something that. when it comes up and don't yeah. be Lucas's yes man, is that what you're saying? Uh, well, oh. yeah. Yeah. I, I, if I were in his same position, I would probably just be like, let's go. Roll camera. That's Whee! true. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in an Indiana Jones movie. I'm what am I going to do? I'm with monkeys. Sure, the monkeys know how to help me. Of course. Of course they do. How many millions of dollars? Of, yes, monkeys know how to help me. Yeah. They're smart. Monkeys are smart. Especially, Fire ants only eat Nazis, right? Yeah, yeah that's, right. That's, we know that. That's science. That's science. Science. I love it. It's teaching kids about science. Wall Street, uh, Wall Street, God, I'm reading the one above it. Uh, Walt Disney. Walt Street Disney. Walt Street. Walt Disney Pictures has hired David Fincher to direct 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. One of two projects in the works for 20,000 Leagues, right? That's right. Apparently Fincher has developed a new take on the franchise with Bourne Ultimatum slash the informant scribe Scott Z. Burns. 
which, quote, will aim to be visually dazzling and is being described as, quote, being in the vein of Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Whatever. But you know what? Fincher at the helm. I'm happy. I mean, yeah. That, that man so far has done no wrong, as far um, as I'm concerned. Um, Alien 3? That, but that's... That's, uh, that's early. Yeah. yeah. No, he, he does amazing stuff. Isn't so. it Fox that's got the other 20,000 leagues in the works? I think so. Yeah. And like, and they're supposed to have be released like the same year. But that, that, be, one, that, that one is be... about a mermaid baseball team, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, 20,000 leagues of their own. Oh, <laughs> well, no. Under the sea. <laughs> Were you ex- don't crank your baseball. <laughs> Stop. Don't crank. Merman's their gruff but, but strict coach. <laughs> if Skeletor sees us lose another pivot, we're doomed. <laughs> doomed. Oh, How much God. spit does it take for you to do that? Not much. Man. Not much. <laughs> Well, were you, you excited last week to finally get Saving Private Ryan on Blu-ray? Hells yeah. Saving Ryan's Privates were on you, Blu-ray is what I want. Yeah, there you go. Were, <laughs> were you less excited to see the discs seem to be exhibiting an audio sync problem? Uh-oh. Cause, causing the sounds of shells and explosions to be heard before they actually hit? <laughs> well, the problem wasn't your player. It's the disc. And Paramount is now recalling the entire first run batch. Really? Wow. This supposedly affects every disc, so if you have Saving Private Ryan on Blu-ray right now, you've got a bad one. The good news is that Paramount and Technicolor are acting quickly to fix the problem. New discs are on the shelves as of now. They have a yellow UPC sticker on the back denoting their status as corrected discs. So look for the yellow sticker, folks, if you haven't bought it yet and want it. I guess I will be waiting to purchase that then. Yeah, Yeah, it's a fine. And and watch for those used ones out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, they can. Are they going to refund the ones that are jacked up? I suppose. I'm sure if you go to their website, they have a full transfer. That you send. I've had to do that with discs in the past. Mm -hmm. I think my Back to the Future, I had to send back a part two for some reason. Yeah, they had something wrong with that one. So, and they were really fast on doing that. I mean, it wasn't Paramount, but I'm sure Mm -hmm. they're moving quick. Yeah. In fact, Warner Brothers is also doing a, a thing now where um, you can, if you have an existing DVD copy of something and you want to get it on Blu-ray, you can go to their catalog and do it for like five bucks. Yeah, that's right. It's like an exchange service type thing. And I don't think you actually have to send in the disc, but you have to like send, send in like a UPC. piece of the UPC or something from it. So That's all right. Well, bless yeah. them in the face for that. That's like, yeah, five bucks a disc. I mean, that really eases the burden if like you had been wanting to buy... A movie on Blu-ray, and they're sure. like, "Oh, here it is." Well, I don't want to spend twenty bucks when I already spent fifteen, you know, a year ago. Right now, it's like, well, it's only five bucks. It's much more manageable. Yeah, exactly. Well, NBC picked up the Batman-esque sounding The Cape TV series. The Cape is a one-hour drama series starring David Lyons of ER as Vince Faraday, an honest cop in a corrupt police force, who finds himself framed for a series of murders and presumed dead. He is forced into hiding, leaving behind his wife, Dana, and son, Trip, Fueled by a desire to reunite with his family and battle the criminal forces that have overtaken Palm City, Faraday, Faraday becomes The Cape, his son's favorite comic book superhero, and takes the law into his own hands. Rounding out the cast are James Frain of the Tudors as billionaire Peter Fleming, the Cape's nemesis, who moonlights as the twisted killer, Chess. I'm Peter Fleming. 
Your villain. Twist, twist goes my mustache. That's, that's the chess theme song when he likes it. I, 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 I know, One night in Bangkok, like every time. Well. <laughs> I hope everyone else there got out there got the bomb bombs all the way through. Keith David uh, as Max Malini, the ring, ringleader of a circus gang of bank robbers who mentors Vince Faraday and trains him to be the cape. I'm Keith David. I'm the voice of every superhero now in every video game. And Summer Glau as Orwell, the investigative blogger who wages war on crime and corruption in Palm City. Summer Glau is Count so hot. me out. Oh, listen to you and you're prejudging. I do. You know I do. <laughs> <laughs> Always, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Why not? <laughs> I'll give it a shot in the mouth. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> you hate so many things before you even try them. <laughs> lima beans? Well, I hate them. Keeps Have you ever safe. had them? No. <laughs> Keeps me safe. Oh, I've had lima beans and I still hate I was them. just making an example. Of lima beans? Of, of Bad anything. example, my friend. <laughs> Heroes? Beans. Why would I want to watch that garbage? It is garbage. It's in garbage. The first season is okay. And the rest of it uh, is garbage. It is. What it is? Well, you know what? I can't deny him on this one. It I turned the first into one was all right. poop. Second one, I didn't even finish the second season. And I, I mean... I was done with I, it. Yeah, I didn't either. I feel for him. Writer's Strike is part of the problem. But... F you in the A, heroes, and you got canceled. Yeah, what's up now? <laughs> Speaking of your fascination with the word butthole, did you enjoy the uh, episode of American Dad on Saturday? Oh, on it was Sunday? hilarious. <laughs> the butthole scorpions? scorpions. Butthole eating scorpions? Awesome. I could only picture you just rolling on the oh, floor it's my, in, that, your, that in your screeching show, laugh. This show was so funny. <laughs> Roger. Roger was funny in that one. It was a good episode. Mm-hmm. All those were good episodes this week. Yeah. They're on a tear right now. They had to make up for that one two weeks ago, the 150th episode I of see Family Guy. I still haven't seen it. Is, is that the bank one? Yeah. It was really disappointing, I have to say, overall. I see what they were going like for. There was like maybe one funny moment, but... No, I see what they were going for. Right. As, you know, it's very two-person theatrical. Right. But uh, did, did it succeed in that regard? Yes. But was it a funny episode? No, not really. It, I just go. didn't feel like it was in the vein of the other episodes of Family Guy that we've come to know and love. No, it, it was them, like, tackling a small mammoth play. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do have to say the, the quote, deleted scene of the God is a Fat Man too. that was pretty funny. I, I enjoyed that song. Hmm. Uh, even I Unfortunately, was the rest okay. were just kind of, oh, seen this already. Yeah. Although uh, I can do without Shapoopy for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> when he does that bit... <laughs> On the football field? You are a shapoopy. <laughs> so funny. You are the girl that's hard to get. That girl that's... That one you just can't get. That girl Insert you song can't get. here. That girl you won't forget. George Takai has an asteroid named after him. Robert Heinlein, he's got a crater on Mars. Well, oh my. now it's Tim Burton's turn to be honored. Mm-hmm. And through a researcher at the University of New Brunswick has named a whole new species... After the filmmaker, mm. although not quite as grand as an asteroid or a Martian crater, it's seaweed. The species Euthora timbertoni. Yeah, that's the name. Really, Euthora timbertoni. Euthora. Euthora. That that's the genus. Yeah, and then Euthora timbertoni. Yeah. Does it look all timbertoni? Well, apparently it was discovered in 2007, mm-hmm. but uh, not formally described until it appeared in a scientific 
publication in February. Uh, according to uh, Bridget Croxon, we were collecting it for years, didn't really realize it was a new species until we sequenced it genetically. And uh, what made Clarkson think, this, uh, think of the director? With this particular seaweed, when I see it underwater, it looks like some kind of twisted flower. So that's why I named it after Burton. Okay. So twisted <laughs> flower Burton. Burton is a twisted flower. Yeah. <laughs> he has his twisty little stuff. All right, Mr. Hate It Before I See It. Let's try this one on for size. Oh, boy. Here right, we go. Right. New group of superheroes will grace our TV screens this fall. ABC has picked up No Ordinary Family. Oh. The superhero family action uh, series. Uh, uh, I've oh. seen the cast list already. I'm waiting for Paul's reaction. Oh, here. it hurts me already. Stars Michael Chiklis. Well, uh, well And uh. Dexter's Julie Benz. Oh? As dad and mom, who along with their kids, develop superpowers after a plane crash in the Amazon w- River. No Ordinary Family comes, with a Greg Bert, uh, comes from Greg Bertolanti of Eli Stone and John Feldman of True Calling. Here's the full rundown. After 16 years of marriage, Jim and Stephanie Powell's relationship lacked the spark it once had. Oh, boo, f- I've seen The Incredibles! And their family <laughs> life now consists... Oh, yeah, pretty much. Leaving little time for family bonding during a vacation set up and by Jim. And has already done the Fantastic Four! Their plane crashes into the Amazon River. Oh, but this is where boo. the fun starts. Oh, boy. For the Powells, they soon discover that something's not quite right. They've been infected by the Kandiru! <laughs> a nasty little fish with a penchant for swimming up a man's each of them now possess unique, distinct superpowers, but saving and savoring their family life will be equally important as they try to find purpose of their new power and embark on a journey to find out what defines and unifies them. Ugh. Is it just the parents that have the power? The Powells are a totally relatable family that happens oh. to be a little bit amazing. Totally relatable family. <laughs> Set me on fire. Set me on fire. <laughs> oh God! Oh, ooh, ooh! <laughs> Did you feel the hurt on that fucking it, show already? Well, it is ABC. I'm kind of surprised it's oh, not going like ABC God. Family. What do they call? No ordinary family. No, exactly. What makes me go? What boy? Oh yeah. boy! Oh fucking boy! Well, it's written. It's done by the guy that did True Calling, so that makes me nervous. No. <laughs> well, but yeah, the the, the Eli Stone and uh, True Calling things. Like, wait a minute, were these both series that were yeah. canceled after one season? Yeah, the only these thing- are, This is your street cred you're coming at me with. Yeah, no. They did Eli Stone and True Calling. You're <laughs> fucking fired before you fucking start. The only way I could be more nervous if they said produced by Bob Tappert. Then uh, <laughs> now I. Love Chickless. Yeah, so although I. I like Ben's too. Yeah. Did see. you love Chickless in the Commish too? I haven't seen the Commish. I, I I I will say this. I, I back in the day, uh, my roommate watched it, mm-hmm. and I could not get into it. I just it, it just it was too sappy family for me. Well, it's like, oh, know. here's the guy that's the police commissioner, but he's trying to be a family man, but he's away from home all the time. That's not Chickles' well, fault, though. Looks like no, no, no. I, I, and, it's, and like I said, it's, it's nothing to do with his acting ability, because yeah. apparently, um, you know, well, actually, I can only judge it based on the, the two episodes that I happen to walk Shame in watching. Shame on you. But his acting seemed, the shield his acting was fine. Have you seen it but, now? The Shield, I've seen it. I saw it. Broadcast. I didn't yeah. miss an episode. Yeah, I watched it all the way through. I, I, I missed the first two seasons, but then I, I yeah. Oh, I'm the behind. Shows I'm ever. way behind. Ever, Addicted. ever, ever. It is. It's up there with The Wire, really. It's it's very... It's I've never there. seen The Wire. What? You like, own the goddamn series? The Wire. Welcome to my Which this speech life. is based from. <laughs> Which this Well, that was what was cracking from. me up, too. I was watching, I was like, that's from The Wire. And he was from The Wire. So funny. Man, 
get, throw that in right now, tonight. <laughs> start the wire. No, I got to bust this podcast out tonight. Fucking the start, fans, start, the fans are starving. They're yeah. asking me, "Where's the, the podcast, Torgo?" You, you can write a little thing that I'm watching the wire as ordered by Paul. <laughs> Do it. Sorry, another week. That's a fucking priority. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, it's such a good goddamn That's series. I I'll watch that. I'll things. watch that again with you. That, with me? Uh, wow! I don't get a, get a with you too often. I watched it all through Netflix. It's amazing. I'm watching Treme now, which has got so many of the same players. It's so good. is that good so far? Yeah, it's real good. Because I didn't know whether to give it a shot or not, so I just kind of passed on it. Because it's good. I got so much shit it's going good. on. It's like all these things. It takes a little bit to grow into, well, sure. but it's fantastic. It's going to be great. It's going to be one of the greats. Hmm. Well, you know what? What's also going to be great? That, the Amazing Family on HBC. <laughs> Not your ordinary family. <laughs> no, oh, hey, hey, everybody, get ready for a wacky Sunday night with Not Your Ordinary Family. Hey, everybody it got their popcorn. Like small wonder. Everybody got their popcorn <laughs> when, you're, and, when you're describing Jesus. it and small hanging out. Wonder, man. Jesus. Oh, Whoa! <laughs> is that another one that drives Paul crazy? <laughs> small wonder, I liked really because it was so wrong. It's it true. Terrible. You that had show was you awful. had a crazy robot built by a pedophile. And to, to entertain his gay son is the creepiest <laughs> fucking show. I've never heard, quite heard it put that way. Man, but okay. watch that show for five minutes and you're like, ugh. And then that crazy redhead bitch comes over and starts shit. She's alive! She's a robot! <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone what Vicky is. I'm so gay. <laughs> Stop it. Vicky, Vicky, let's dance. I just want to set you on dance and let's just dance. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, let's just dance. I don't like mm, touch you or nothing. Uh-uh. Let's just dance. <laughs> Come on. I'm set for fully functional action. No, it's, mm, it's okay. I know I'm like, you know, 13-year-old prepubescent boy living in my own little room with a girl in a box, which is like the dream of every... You know what? No, it's not my dream. I just want to dance. I want to dance. They ever explain how Daddy, she can I put a wiener up? on this? Can you put a wiener on this this lady girl, man? Make it a... I, I shouldn't have said that. So gay. They never quite Dad's explained how too. she kept growing from year to year. She's like he had, actually he, like getting taller. He adjusted taller. her module. He would, no, it would explain that shit. He'd be like, all right, Vicky, I've just ratcheted up your leg joints to give you a couple of extra inches. Did we don't really? want the neighbor. Yeah, man, they pull out that kind of shit. We don't want the neighbors suspecting anything. That's a fucking bullshit, paper thin excuse. When did, they, whatever, when did he install the puberty as as model? The, when did they- as long <laughs> as the check's clear. Wow. <laughs> well, I've installed your puberty module and your breasts should start growing any minute now. Wah. Fantastic. <laughs> I'll keep stapling pubes to my genitalia. <laughs> ka-chunk, ka-chunk, <laughs> ka-chunk. Let's just dance. <laughs> I just don't need, stop it. Just stop. Let's dance. I just want to play. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to dress up in mayonnaise. Mm, yay, I'm gay. Mm. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness! All right, right well, that's, is, yeah. watch it, watch it, and, and know that it's a pedophile who built a robot to entertain his gay son. <laughs> you made that show much more interesting for me now. It's uh... it's a small wonder they didn't all kill themselves. <laughs> all right, now we're going to uh, bring in Barry, which is going to be really weird. Barry's a small wonder. Oh, <laughs> that's what his girlfriend said. Uh. 
Well, speaking of weird, let's go into the big list. Big list. Yeah, big list. We love this list. Um, this list. Mm-hmm. These nuts. I, I like this one. This one. This one. Uh, I was going through a bunch of lists, and then I found this one. I was okay. like, okay, this is the one. Here we go. Fourteen incredibly disturbing moments in kids' movies, besides the entirety of ET. <laughs> beside by Ethan K. Fourteen. Uh, I bet the gate is in there. <sighs> That's not a kids movie. It's not a kids movie. The game yeah. isn't a kids movie. That's not considered. No, no these are actual full-on movies. It's, it involves kids, but it's not a kids yeah. movie. I always considered it a kids movie. I saw it when I was well, a kid. Then you would be wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was best when I was a kid. Well, here, this, this helps define it. Kids movies are not made by kids. That's pretty obvious, since kids can't use cameras, editing software, Doctor um, Script to save their lives. Uh, that's not true. Oh yeah, Kids Incorporated. That's not a movie. They ran an entire television studio. Not a movie. I'm just saying, they have the capability. Listen, kids can do TV, that's obvious. Look at Lost, but... (laughs) Wow. That was low. I love me some Lost. Does anyone want to make any predictions? Also completely uninformed. No, no. Stop it. No predictions? No, I'm watching it tonight. I'm so excited. Not a Lost. Fuck Lost. Here's here's, here's my prediction for Lost. No, no, no. None of the answers are... None of the questions are going to be answered. Uh, okay. No, no, yeah. that, that, that's been my prediction. You guys are going to get fucked in the end. Whatever. Happen. Whatever. But no, it's I'm going to prediction for this show. list. I'd like to make a prediction. All right. For this okay, list. go ahead and put a prediction. These up. are 10 creepy kids' films? This, I'm gonna, I'm incredibly disturbing moments. Disturbing moments in kids' films. Oh, okay. We know. Uh, Got it. Time Bandits. All right. Yeah, Time Bandits, when that scary. face yeah. is, is coming toward the walls, coming toward them. I accept that. Return the map. Return the map. That was creepy. Would you really consider Time Bandits a kids movie? Though? Yes, I would. I don't. I didn't never yes, consider I don't know. it a kids movie. Wasn't it PG? The protagonist was a kid. It's a kid movie. That the one. That, that one could go on up in the air. I could, I could see an argument either way on that yeah, one. Yeah, but Patra- just Gate, no, the but this kid one is a protagonist. Right, the but, protagonist is a kid. It what, but it's a Terry Gilliam film, and so yeah. Terry Gilliam doesn't really make kids movies. Yeah, that's, he makes that's movies exactly for adults, what, which is why it was even more disturbing because it is a kids film. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a kid. Friendly, except for some disturbing parts. I, I I still don't consider it a kids film. Terry Gilliam has not made a kid friendly. But that is that is a he did Bear Munchausen. It's evil. Yeah, Yeah, Munchausen was his kids film. Yeah, but that wasn't disturbing. Any any other uh, list predictions? No one. No other predictions. No. Uh, no. Okay. Let's just do this thing. Adults are in charge. Have always been. Even when they're ostensibly making films designed for young audiences, they tend to infuse their creations with their adult sensibilities, whether consciously or unconsciously. Consciously, and sometimes. Adults are just sadistic fucks who want to be evil. Whether intentionally or not, these 14 movies contain weird, twisted, disturbing scenes that scare the pants off children, usually immediately after they shit them in pure terror. (laughs) Now, obviously, this is not meant to be all-inclusive, and if E.T. was in the running, it'd probably take up a third of the list. Feel free to discuss these scenes that scarred you as a child in our comment section on the Ugly Cat Show site. So, number 14... Care Bears movie two. What? The death there was of a the second Care one? Bears. <laughs> Apparently there was. They killed Care Bears. They killed the cousins, I think. Oh, good, because they sucked. The character of Dark Heart was created solely to help some screenwriter overcome his childhood molestation by some older boy. Oh. Dark Heart starts the film as a creepy, creepy red-headed boy whose goal is to trap all the Care Bears in a magic bag and kidnap them. By the end, he's transformed himself into an evil cloud of smoke with eyes. The transformation from a raspy kid to smoke cloud probably caused a few pea-soaked theater seats. You can also see in the background story of a red-headed kid putting a rider into a bag and touching him, then getting away with it. Sarf. Yeah. Number 13, Dark Crystal. 
What's disturbing about that movie? One, that was... one word, Skeksis. Yeah. The Skeksis were cool. While people unfortunately equate Jim Henson with the Harmless Kids Entertainment, his legion of fans know how dark and adult he could go. Dark Crystal was Henson's ain't-seen-nothing-yet moment. The half-vulture, half-reptile Skeksis tormented the childlike Gelflings, and the scene where the Skeksis scientist tries to pull the life essences out of of one of them preys on children's fears of confinement and torture just as well as any windowsless van. Kira, yeah, when when Kira's dying, it's so creepy, and she's like... She's she's screaming for the animals. uh, She's yelling for all the animals, yeah. Or even earlier... They're yeah, sucking the pod people down. Yeah, really? oh, and they so, suck yeah. the little podlings. Oh, the yeah. poor little podlings. Hey, you ever want to do a podling face? If you have a Nerf ball, an old school Nerf ball, yeah. just take your your index finger and your thumb and on both hands and push it into the Nerf ball, <laughs> and right. it's a podling's face. I've never considered that. Do you have a Nerf ball around? I, I I'll show know. you. It's amazing. I don't. It looks just like a podling. I think that's how they came up with it. They were farting around with somebody's puff nose, and they went, oh, it looks like a face. Pod people were fun. It was a fun yeah, little were. dance and everything. They're hilarious. We talked about them in the last podcast. Yeah. We're loving our crystal. Yeah. Number 12, Pinocchio. Yeah, that was scary. What? Yeah. Disney's Pinocchio scary. contains a handful of twisted scenes, most notably where the boys on Pleasure Island become donkeys. donkeys. Yeah. Yeah. And when Pinocchio talks to strangers, you know it's going to turn out badly. Incidentally, it's the original Pinocchio books that contain the mind-warping stuff. Jimmy Cricket is introduced, sings a little song, then Pinocchio kills him with a hammer. The magical wood screams as Geppetto carves it. So, yeah. So, you want real disturbing. The original Pinocchio story wow. is creepy as shit. The wood screams while he's carving it? Pinocchio, in the, in the book, Pinocchio accidentally burns off his own feet. Wow. And the uh, Blue Fairy is introduced as a suicidal depressive whose family had just died. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I gotta read wow, that. How the hell did that? And, and in the book, when he read. turns into a donkey, he's sold to a man who tries to drown him and turn his skin into a drum. And while being drowned, fish come out and eat off all his skin, leading, leaving his wooden bu- puppet body. Oh wow, creepy! So story. yeah, if you want to give your kids Pinocchio, by God's that's sake, crazy. give them the movie. Well, that's a, those, those, was that a, was that a Grimm's tale? No, it's it's its own uh, Hans Christian Andersen. Uh, I don't think it's a Christian Andersen story. It might be. I don't know. <laughs> Pinocchio, creepy, crazy Germans. All right. Fictional character that first appeared in 1883 by Carlo Collodi. That's when shit was real. Yeah, you know it. What the hell hell was wrong with these people? Scared the children. (laughs) Bored. Can you imagine how bored they were? (laughs) (laughs) Disturbing children at number 11, Old Yeller. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Boy loves dog, dog gets rabies, dog gets shot. (laughs) Spoiler (laughs) alert. (laughs) <laughs> you know they had us watch that in class? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Why? Why did they make us watch that in class? And I remember it was like fifth or sixth grade. Why would they force us to watch to fall in love with this dog and then watch it die? Yeah. Is this the way they teach kids about death and, and the movie mortality? Put, the movie was put out just a year after the book was released. Oof. So it's not like people were getting ready for this because they'd all read the book, you know, so it's amazing. Yeah. That's what, we, that's what Disney likes to do. Make you fall in love with their animals and kill, kill them. them. Yep. I'm sure that's not the last time we'll hear that on this list. Number 10. I've never heard of this one. Scruffy. Who? Scru- it's a, apparently, it's very hard to find now. But uh, most people haven't seen it. It's on VHS. It's a three-part Saturday morning cartoon. But apparently, if you want a good description, just think Lady and the Tramp meets Auschwitz. 
What the? Oh, virtually everyone dies. The mother dog is shown abandoned. Oh, this. Oh, I rem- Oh man, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You know this? I don't know this at all. Tied yeah. tied to a condemned house. She has her puppy narrowly and bloodily escapes a burning building yeah. and is shot by hunters. Oh, it's terrible. The That's... puppy Scruffy is taken in by a homeless alcoholic street performer who dies of some disease. Yeah. It's bad, man. This is a cartoon? Yeah. Oh. After misadventures that involve dog fights and a lot of blood, <laughs> Scruffy and her lovable stray friends are, friends are all taken to the pound where they will all be euthanized. Her yep. boyfriend Butch is even shown walking the last mile. Yep. Luckily, all, at the end, all the strays are adopted, even Butch, but it's a lot of blood and death and impending lethal injection. It, it, when, I, when I remember that, that movie, the feeling is Watership Down. That's, that's what I'm getting on the description, because yeah. the blood of the that it's very is, It's very Watership Down, yeah. Wow. Scruffy's a hell of a name for this thing. Ooh, I bet Secret of Nimitz. Was it Bashki that did that? I don't, I don't know, know, but in seeing the box art, it kind of looked like a backseat. Because if that's what I'm thinking, if I don't know, I'm not. Yeah. You see anything on it? Yeah, there's a whole thing on retro junk about it, but I don't see that it's uh, actually. Number eight, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> that whole but movie's disturbing. But they're actually referencing the 1985 version, the t- made-for-TV version. Now, there's always an element of surrealism. Yeah, to that any, was creepy. Any I played the White in a play. I thought that girl was creepy. She was a bit creepy. Really kind of played her a little off. Yeah, she was weird. Like, almost too proper. Yeah, she's weird. Like, the she's 1951 Disney me. film had the uh, dark Tolji Wood scene with the lost Alice constantly confronted with animals that make no sense. Uh, 66 television adaptation has the uh, stark tour through the Victorian home and set to an endless Ravi Shankar music. <laughs> and then there's the uh, 1985 television version with the dragon-like Jabberwocky that left out of nowhere to scare poor Alice and ruin the final party at the end. Crazy. I really liked that version, though, growing up. Crazy. Probably because it, it was creepy. Ringo Starr. Formative years. Number seven, The Black Cauldron. Going yep. back to Disney. Yep. yep. That was creepy. I saw that in the theater. Never saw it. The rule in filmmaking should be, if you have a cute character that audiences like, don't kill it. <laughs> Disney did not follow this rule and killed off Gurgi, the cute little bear type thing that acted as a sidekick through the first parts of the film. That's the kind of shit that scars kids. Uh-huh. Even if you bring him back through the magic at the end, just like they did with Marlon Wayans in the Dungeons and Dragons movie. <laughs> Additionally, the film also has lots of scares of the demon looking things and the skull faced bad guy with horns to fear the preteen movie. nightmares. Yeah. It's a scary movie. Number six, Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. <laughs> it's scary because it's got Robin Williams in it. Yeah, that's, that's, if that's not bad enough, then you got Tim Curry as the creepy villain. He's a living embodiment of pollution. And although the ends where he turns into a black, fire-breathing skeleton, his real shining creepster moment is his song, Toxic Love. An inky puddle of sludge with the voice of the worst, which is Curry, threatens to take over the world through an eerie cabaret music. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of it, you're pretty sure he's going to jump off the screen and abuse you. Number five, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> that was some disturbing shit. The, what do you call it? All the right. large Mars. Mars. Right. It looked like <laughs> this. No! So I jumped five feet. Everybody did. You know, say it with me now. There was the sound like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they pull the driver's body from the twisted, twisted burn, burning wreck, it looked like this. Cute <laughs> kids crying. Yeah. Now the second it is the Pee Wee's dream though. sequence in the hospital, though. 
where the clowns are fixing and taking his precious bike oh, yeah, apart. That's creepy too. In a moment of pure Burton, one of the surgeons rips the mask to reveal this hideous clown face. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that making my heart jump in the movie too, actually. Yeah, well, you don't—you never had any love for clowns. This is a great that's movie. True. That's a great movie. It really is. I that love, is, adore that. That film. is a truly great film. Big Top Pee Wee, however, not so. Yeah. It's got its moments, but it's no Pee Wee's Big Adventure. No, that's true. So good. Number four, Bambi. Yeah, and we uh, all know why. Yeah. Death of Bambi's mom, heartrending. Bambi meets Godzilla. Better. <laughs> Better th- on all fronts. Number three, Fantasia. The, huh? It's the third full-length film. You know, it's all no narrative. Thing goes on forever. The final segment, Night on Bald Mountain. Night on Bald Mountain is scary. Ranks as one of Disney's more grotesque sequences. Uh, the demon Chernabog, who was uh, originally based on Bela Lugosi, apparently, summons hordes of demons, skeletons, zombies, witches, and goblins to, who perform at his whim. When he tires of these macabre servants, he sends them down to be destroyed in a pit of lava. Yeah. Yeah, for all the kids who fell asleep during the previous segment, the Dance of the Hours, Bald Mountain woke you up and kept you scared as shit. Number two, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. What? Really? The Toot Sweets? All right, now if you choose to uh, watch any of the films on this list, just for curiosity's sake, do not watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's unbearably dull. It is. With all the action taking place after about an hour and a half of fluff drags by. Yep. The only highlight is the sequences that put it on this list. The Child Catcher. In a world where children are hunted and imprisoned, the Child Catcher is equipped with a long nose for sniffing them out, lollipops as bait, and large black nets for snatching. Crazy. Actor Robert Heltman's portrayal is both sinister and captivating as he oozes with evil in every line. That part of the film is so memorable that Marilyn Manson honored it with the title and cover art of his second album, Smells Like Children, as well as sampling some of the child catcher's lines for the songs. There you go. And number one, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, there you go. The original one. Marilyn Manson again. Almost every aspect of Willy Wonka has some off-putting element about it, but it is Gene Waller's omnipotent, eerily calm demeanor only add a fuel to the fire while he sings his little song down the river. There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> singing which direction we are going. There's no knowing where we're rowing or which way the river's flowing. Is it raining? Is it yeah, that is- the boat trip scene immediately alerts us that shit just got real. Disturbing <laughs> images like a chicken's head being chopped off and a yeah. giant millipede crawling over a woman's face are mixed with dazzling psychedelic colors and a droning dirge sung by Wilder. What was the point of that? If you want to freak out your friends, I suggest reciting it to them when they're least expecting it. Marilyn Manson did another, that's the beginning of, uh, of Portrait uh, of American yeah. Family. You know, I gotta say, I'm surprised Secret of Nim wasn't on there. And uh, yeah, what when for the, the for the death disturbing. of Nicodemus? Yeah, well, yeah. no, like what, yeah, that was yeah. it? And then the house is sinking, and that you yeah. know the, the terror and the mud scaring. That's, that's true. A good flick. That Drowning was, children. That was pretty yeah. freaky. Scary. To scary. me, it was anyway. Yeah, the death of Nicodemus then. was rough. I remember yeah. that. It was hard. Yeah. No. So Gene yeah, Wilder, that's two scenes right there. Gene Wilder's thing. I think you're right. That was scary. That chicken head. I remember watching. Yeah. So so what else is missing from this list, gentlemen? Shoot, what? I don't know. Oof. What, 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 man. That's, that's not children's film. film. There's a lot of no. Disney films that have some really creepy moments. Um, not necessarily creepy, but just plain disturbing. Yeah, yeah it's, 
Uh, one one that came to my mind is the death of Artax in Neverending Story. Oh, right, yeah. the, the drowning horse. Yep, that was really rough. He's just I haven't seen screaming, that. Wow. screaming. Artax. What's his name? Watching watching Artax. his friend die before his eyes. Yeah, that's really sad. Rock and roll high school forever. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the finest Rock children movie ever high made. Forever and ever. That's not disturbing, is it? It's got a fe- it's comedy. got Feldman in. Of course, it's disturbing. Uh, yeah. That alone. Nah, that's all I got for that. And that's all we got for the list, so I guess there's only one thing we can do now. Hey, and why don't you wake go up. wake up that jerk? Alright. Who, Mumra the Jerk? You're gonna wake up Mumra the Jerk. We got questions, so yeah, we need answers. Into the cave. So as soon as he wakes him up, we'll get this, uh, all right, this all going. Alright, right. oh wait, here he what? comes now. There he is. Mumra, good oh, to see ya. I have a headache. Last night, I was partying with Vulture Man. What were you doing exactly? Got our drink on. Oh yes. Yeah, Vulture Man keeps it crunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mumra. Well, we got some questions for you. Ask and you shall have answers. Now the first one's uh, from Kirsten. So, uh, dear Mumra. In the uh, comic Thundercats: The Return, when you popped Wiley Kit's cherry, did she cry? There is no such a record. I would never sully the cock of Mumra. I don't know. That was a pretty <laughs> explicit comic. I saw, I read it. What are you? I don't know. You put her in some skimpy little outfits, and you put him in some skimpy little. This outfits. is not up for discussion now. <laughs> Well, okay. Uh, apparently, that's a uh, that's a. Uh, that is off limits. Sorry, Kirsten, not allowed. Too personal. Mama, a gentleman does not fucking tell. <laughs> Mama, and I am a gentleman. All right. Well, I got another question for you. Ask me. Some of my coworkers have decided that I'm a horrible mother because my 21-year-old daughter still lives with me while she finishes school. These busybodies have no children of their own, but comment liberally that they would kick their kids out at 18. It's the best thing for them, blah, blah, blah. I'd rather not discuss my personal business with these folks, but every day they ask me if she's moved out. How do I answer? You need not defend your actions to others. Maintain your own individual sensibilities. And realize the life path you have chosen is yours. Uh, that, that was a really well-worded answer. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really impressed. I have been down the ch- kids' road before. Oh, you had kids? I had a few. What happened? I kicked them out when they turned 18. <laughs> what were, if, if I may inquire, what were their names? One was named Mum... That was the girl. And the other one was named Ra. And that was the boy. It's very kind imaginative. Very family name. Yeah. Yep. I'm a creative type. So why aren't they helping you defeat the Thundercats? They care nothing for the family business. Oh, so what are they doing now? Building their own pyramid on Fourth Earth. <laughs> Fourth Earth? It's I don't even want to know. close by planet. They took a rocket ship. Okay. Alrighty then. A friend gets free theater tickets and invites you to join her. Afterward, you go out for dinner. Ordinarily, had she paid for the tickets, you might feel inclined to pick up the tab. But since they were free, 
Are you still obligated to grab the check? Hmm. There is never any obligation to do anything. Unless you wish to dive into her nether regions. Then you must pay, and pay dearly. <laughs> Pussy costs lobster. <laughs> what does Mumrock cost these days? I go for shrimp scampi at this point. <laughs> You'll get my knickers off for a good appetizer from Denny's. I'm telling you, I have a cheap date. Wow. A cheap date. <laughs> we have priced appetizers at Fridays, ladies. Now, come on, I have my standards. <laughs> I don't just go down for any jalapeno poppers. Uh, curiosity, what did it take to get the Wiley Kitts knickers off? I do not discuss such matters. That is off. Which one's the limit? Boy, girl? Kit and cat? Cat was the boy, and Kit was the girl. No, wait. I can't remember. They taste the same. I mean, <laughs> whoa, oh, whoa, 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 Curse you, Kirsten Rowell. <laughs> I got another question for you. Ask, and I will answer. My husband's lovable pal is a 34-year-old bum. His license was suspended. My husband drives him everywhere. When we go out to eat or to the movies, we pay. On the weekends, they go golfing. A 120-mile round trip. No gas money. I tell my husband he's enabling a moocher. Do you agree? What do I do? You do nothing. Shut your mouth, you trollop. You could hear from the first sentence of this letter that she is clearly getting the deep dicking from this quote-unquote lovable pal. <laughs> he's such a moocher. I have to mooch on his wiener. <laughs> Boo-hoo-hoo. Cry me a river, Jenny Housewife. I don't care. <laughs> okay. I worked 30 years in a job where I was required to wear a uniform. Now that I'm retired, I like to dress, dress up and keep in style. I enjoy looking nice when I go out to lunch with the girls, but it hurts me when some of them say I'm showing off. How can I respond without being rude? Oh, he is trying to express himself through his clothing. Well, she is, yeah. She? It sounded like a man to me. No, when he goes out to lunch with the girls. That's she. Why, why would a girl go out to lunch with girls? Well, girls do that all the time. Oh, Gossip and I talk. Got I, got, I get the picture. Mumbra reads yeah. between the vaginal lines. They're not oh, lesbians. Right. Nowhere in there. Sure, so. they're not. <laughs> I like to go out to lunch with my girls. Huge quotation marks around that one. That is how Mumra lost his first wife. Lots of luncheons with the ladies. Okay. Why not just say you're going to install carpet? That explains <laughs> a lot about Mumrana. Mumrana who? Mumrana. Mumrana. She, again, off limits. <laughs> off fucking limits, guys. <laughs> really. Oh. Well, I'm going back to bed. Yeah, we thank you for... Uh, the thank you for nothing, yeah, well, ass crackers. Mm. <laughs> uh, I must slumber and recharge my dark energies. For tonight, Mumra has a date 
with rosy palm and her five fingers. <laughs> uh, wow. the door. He's very uh, sensitive, that one. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Won't mention Wiley Kit again. Well, folks, if you have questions out there for Monroe, just send it to us. Uh, comments at uglycowshow.com. Uh, Paul, is he all tucked in there? He is snug as a bug in a rug. Yeah, good stuff. Ugh, I, I saw that Thundercats comic. Pretty what, bad. What was there? Was there an adult comic made? You might as well yeah, have been. Pretty much. Really? Yeah. Very. Not in between the lines. Wiley Kit is the hot business. Where did in you that? get this comic? Where all good things come from. Where is the wellspring of all things foul and awful? The, the, the internet. internet. It's called uh, Thundercats: The Return. But, so it's not a license. Pirate no, no, I think it's like by Image. And yeah. it was that? Yeah. And it was that dark? It is, yeah, dark. Yeah, Wiley Cat and Kit were his... Uh, his sex slaves? That's what's implied. They've been his slaves for that long, but they're in some real revealing material. Ooh. Yeah. I may have to Brody. look this up. <laughs> and Chitara's in it. Well, he likes Chitara. Well, no, no, he, he threw her to the... Uh, mutants? The mutants. <laughs> oh, they well, got her chained it, up on a wall, baby. Well, that's she's lucky, because, you know, uh, I hear... That uh, Vulture Man keeps it crunk. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yep. Mm. Slythe, not so much. Monkeyan is an idiot. <laughs> they all strike me as idiots, though. No, no, no. Vulture Man is cool. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You got, you got Wiley Kit washing his back, you know, and she's dressed in some skimpy shit. Ugh. And she's grown up well. Grody Melody. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just Grody Melody. Mm. Bring me the blind guy. What was the Slash blind guy's Vic. name? The blind guy? Yeah, the, 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 the last three and then the ghost. The ghost was always there. But remember the last three that it's came? Ghost. Late, there was the blind guy and then Beyond the, the new guy and the new girl. I think I'd fallen off by this point. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what you're talking about either. Well, speaking of falling off, that's what we got to do. It's the end of Catch Cast, but uh, tune in next week because there's more we can geek happening as we speak. That's right. So we're going to bring it to you. And don't forget to watch the Ugly Couch Show where we tell you what to watch, read, and play. And please tell your friends if you enjoy this podcast. Shout it from the mountaintops. Uh, please put up the www.uglycouchshow.com information on all your favorite nerd blogs and spaces to spread the word. And don't forget to friend us on Facebook and... Get an ugly couch show tattoo. Yeah, yeah, what the heck? Right on your forehead. Yeah. We'll have you on the show. I'll give you $10. <laughs> I will. I'll give anyone $10 if they put an ugly couch show tattoo on their head. Non-temporary. Tattoo. I just, yeah, permanent tattoo. <laughs> Get $10. Until then. Got to read right forwards. I am Torgo Moneybags. <laughs> Dr. Vlarg. I am the famous Paul. And 80s Jeff. And it's a Week in Geek Time next week on the Couchcast. Yeah, I didn't see him that time.